All right, who's ready to get into the word today? All right, open your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going to start reading at verse 26. Now there was an angel of the Lord who spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go down toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the place in the scripture which he was reading was this. This is verses out of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. And so he opened not his mouth. And his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, then you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. So he commanded the chariot to stand still And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Later Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Wow, there's much here to talk about today. Would you agree with me that for the most part, all of us, we desire, if if we love Jesus, if we're seeking Jesus, we desire to know His plans for our life. Would you agree with that? We, we, We like direction. We want direction. We seek direction. I don't know how many of you, when you're going somewhere and you need directions to get there, how many people use your phones to get directions? Pull that up. Okay. Anybody still use old maps, paper maps? (laughs) That doesn't surprise me, actually. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Katie and I, we we use our phones, but we, we both do it very different. You know, we'll type in the address or ask Siri to take us somewhere, and then 
Katie will just pull it up and press start. And it will just like start moving her down the road. Whereas I like to open it up and see the map and see where all the turns are and see the, anybody with me, right? The right way to do it, right? Okay. <laughs> I like to see the whole map from beginning to end and understand where my turns are going. I feel like in my mind, I'm, I just got my head around it better, you know? And Katie's like, no, I don't care. It's, if, if I got to turn, she's going to tell me to turn. It's going to show it as I go. I'm like, you're just going to drive for an hour and a half, and you're just going to listen to wherever it tells you to go. Now, I, like, it drives me crazy. And she's like, no, this is the way you do it. <laughs> now, I have found in, in her defense that God more often works like that when it comes to giving directions and guidance in our life than he does the way that I like it to happen, which is the full map pulled out and seen up front. Would you agree with that? Hmm. But we like directions nonetheless. And this is what I want to challenge you with to think about today. Perhaps is God giving some direction, perhaps is God offering some instruction, some short-term next steps, but in the process of him doing that, guys, we are maybe just completely amiss or resistant to what he's trying to do. Um, is God bumping up against our will as he's trying to lead us in a direction to go do something for him. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Desert Roads. Desert Roads. So let's talk about this for a second. Philip, he is, uh, he's been serving the Lord He's been seeing a lot of miracles. He's been sharing the gospel. There have been conversions. We, we know a lot of that from text earlier to what we just read. So he's seen some very fruitful ministry. And he gets rounded up with the disciples and they end up back in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at this time, with everything that's going on, you could say that this is... This is like a hotbed for ministry, all right? Um, this is like, you remember in the 90s, the big tech boom that was happening in the United States, and like anybody and everybody that was wanting to be in the tech space, they went out to Silicon Valley, right? Because that's where you needed to be. Like, that's where all the investors were. That's where the technology, that's where the talent was. You were there. At this time, with everything that's going on, after the crucifixion, the resurrection, the New Testament church is being birthed, miracles are happening, the world is kind of getting turned upside down, Jerusalem at this time is the epicenter of where you would think ministry, if you want to be doing ministry, this is where you would want to be at. Are you with me? It's where it's happening. The Bible says that Jesus came and first brought the good news to the Jews and to Israel and then began to take it to the rest of the world. 
we see in this story, this eunuch is probably the very first Gentile conversion that happened in the New Testament. So here's what I'm getting at. You're Philip, right? You're thinking about everything that's happening that God is doing. You're thinking about all the people that are in Jerusalem and all the fruitfulness that's going on. And all of a sudden, a word from God sent by a messenger, it changes the direction of, of what's happening. He says, I want you to leave and I want you to go down a desert road toward Gaza. That's it. That's it. Does that feel like a full plan to you? That's anything but the map that I zoom out and look at, right? For most people, that command, that guide, that direction, that would come with 25 questions, wouldn't it? Well, I don't understand, God. Um, I just want to make sure I bring this back up to you. There are a lot of amazing things happening in Jerusalem. Have you seen all of the people who are converting, who are hearing? This is really going well. That would be the way that most people would respond because it, it doesn't seem to fit in the paradigm of what we're used to or what we think is a formula for success. But God says, no, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm sure about what I'm saying. I want you to go down a road that's dry, that's barren, where there's nothing and, and probably no people. Just start walking. What's remarkable to me initially, right off the bat in this story, is the instantaneous obedience that Philip displays. It says, go down a road to Gaza, and then what does it say after that? So he arose and went. Much is to be found on the next step of instantaneous obedience. This is a lot of times how God will download guidance and direction to us. I'll give you the next step. And then we'll see what you do with that. And then I'll give you the next step. And so what we're, what's required is for us to step out and then move in faith, trusting God and what He's telling us to do, but also trusting that more is coming once we get to this, the next place that God has already instructed us to go to. I think that what He has said is very clear. It's not confusing. It's very clear. This is where I want you to go, and this is how I want you to get started. I'd also like to point out that Philip is uh, what I would call predisposed to hearing God's command. He's likely laboring in his efforts to seek the Lord, to pray, to worship, to read scripture, right? And so what's happening is he's, he's tuned in so that he can hear and sense and know when God is saying something to lead him in a certain direction. Church, we have to be tuned in to the voice of God and the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me say it this way. We need to hone our spiritual senses. 
right? It's one of the major things that we've got to get as mature believers is that we have a train and tune ear to sense the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit when He is nudging us and moving us and getting our attention to go in a certain direction or move into a space for Him. But here's what oftentimes will happen, is that the noise of everything else around us will make it difficult to be tuned in to the gentle whisper of God's still small voice when He's leading us in a direction for Him. A few uh, weeks ago, Katie and I, we were laying in bed talking and we had the TV on at night and uh, all of a sudden she's like, Matt, Matt, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, something's in the, something's in the room. And I'm like, what? What are you talking? She's like, you hear that? Do you hear that? There's something. Oh, my gosh. And she's jumping up and she's throwing the covers around. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, she's like, do you not hear that? So I'm like, no, I don't hear it. So we had to turn the TV off. We got everything quiet, turn the fan off. And then as I began to listen, I could hear the little running and scattering of a mouse that was in the wall in between the, yeah. And she was losing it, man. And I'm like, it's, it's in the wall, babe. I, I, what do you want me to do? Like cut a hole and reach in there and get them? And yeah, that would be great, you know. Uh, but we had to silence and bring down the volume, you hearing me, of everything else that was around in order to hear what we were trying to hear. Church, I just, I'm trying to help us today understand that God is a speaking God. Oh, he wants so much for his children to hear and know his voice. And Jesus says not only that, but to know the voice of another as well. To be able to pick out and tune in in the midst of a bunch of noise. Mm, God is speaking. God is up to something. This is what God is wanting to do right now. Can we pull that out or is there too much noise and distraction all around us when God is moving like that? Hmm. You know, discipleship means not only to subscribe to the teachings and the ways of Jesus, it also means and implies at the same time to follow him wherever he leads. And so, I think many times we find ourselves in these moments where God is, is going to lead us in a direction. He wants to move us down a course and then it just doesn't seem to line up or it doesn't seem to fit within our paradigm and we stop to wrestle with it or process it or ask questions or doubt or we look at the situation and we say no it's 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 more productive in Jerusalem I, I I'm just gonna stay right here now I'm a big believer in pros and cons evaluation of things and making plans and doing all that listen I, I'm a big believer in that but I'm just telling you when you read this story 
Nothing about the desert road to Gaza would have fit the pros and cons checklist or the SWOT evaluation or any of that stuff. None of it would have made sense. Philip had to know that God was leading him in a direction that didn't really make sense, but that clarity would come. What was God asking him to do? He was asking him simply to obey. Obey and get moving. Instantaneous obedience is where we want to train ourselves to move with God. Those are the ones who will begin to see clarity revealed in layers as they go. Mm, You've probably heard this said, delayed obedience is really still disobedience. Mm. But I like this because Philip... He is, he's willing to let go or lay down the previous plans and agenda that had been set. He's got a plan. He's got things that are going on. But when God begins to move and he, know it's God, he knows it's God and he's sensing it's God, he's not afraid or unwilling to just let go of the plan. Just... I'm going to let go of my agenda. In a sense, it's like I have it, but I'm holding it very loosely. I'm holding it very loosely. I remember uh, talking to a pastor one time. He was a senior pastor, a veteran pastor. And he was telling me a story about how he had a position as a senior pastor of a really, really large church, uh, growing church. They had lots of reach and influence. Uh, his position was great. He had a, a very good package there as far as his retirement and all these things. Like At first glance, it looked like the perfect scenario. And he said, but God began to speak to me about leaving there and planting a new church with a new vision. Yeah. And he's like, and I was a little older in my years and everything. He's like, but I'm telling you, after I did that, I was the happiest that I've ever been. And I remember thinking like, wow, that, that had to take a lot to be able to let go of what on paper and by preconceived definition was probably the right plan. Are you with me? God will move us, disrupt things. Am I disruptible? Or does God have to wrestle with my will to move me where he wants me to go? James says this. He says, be careful that you don't say things and make statements like, at this time next year, we'll be in such and such a city and we'll be doing such and such things. He says, be careful that you don't make presumptive statements like that when you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. I I think it's just a way of saying, have plans, make plans, but hold them loosely. Because if God wants to move and shift and maneuver us, how maneuverable are we really? Or how tied down and committed and locked on grip do we have around the way things are going or comfortable or what seems to make sense in our mind. 
I'm telling you, the only formula that is really going to lead to incredible fruitfulness and effectiveness is our ability to hear God's leading and then obey it. Because at the end of the day, what looks like sacrificed productivity and efficiency, what looks like letting go of something that would have brought a lot of gain, even for the kingdom by staying in Jerusalem, ultimately ends up leading to fruitfulness and productivity and efficiency in the kingdom every single time. We want to be effective and efficient to the highest level. I know I do. I think about that stuff all the time. Then it really comes down to being able to hear where God's leading us and to be able to obey wherever it is that he's telling us to go. This is the formula for fruitfulness in the kingdom. Are you with me? One person. Well, okay, let's back up. (laughs) So let's kind of move on down here now. And now that Philip has made the move, now that Philip has listened and obeyed what God's telling him to do, without understanding the rest of the picture, now let's begin to peer into what happens from there. What you'll see is absolutely remarkable, divine timing. On the other side of Philip's obedience, as he's walking down the desert road, picture it in your mind. I have no idea where I'm headed or why I'm doing this or where I'm going, but I know God said to do this and not stay there. So I'm walking in obedience, so I'm trusting and I'm waiting for God to continue to show me more. All of a sudden... On this desert road, in the middle of nowhere, here comes this eunuch on a chariot. Now let's talk about that for a second, a eunuch. So a eunuch uh, was someone who carried great authority, great trust on behalf of a magistrate. It says that he was representing a queen, and he had her treasury. So think about that. He has all of the, whatever the goods maybe some trading was going on in the city, whatever the wealth is, he's guarding it with his life. If anything happens to it, he will lose his life. He, he has a bunch of stewardship and responsibility. And all of a sudden, maybe what God was up to, what God had in mind, begins to come into sight a little bit. Here comes a chariot. Here's a man on a chariot who is a eunuch in charge of a treasury for a queen. And God says, okay, now I want you to run and overtake that chariot. Right? You picture Philip just running down the road. Hey, stop! And he jumps on the chariot. He hears the eunuch reading, probably out loud, to himself, Scripture from Isaiah. Not just any Scripture from Isaiah. The Scriptures that speak about the suffering Messiah. So here's what was probably happening. It said that he was in the city of Jerusalem and he was on his way back from worshiping. So likely he had traveled to Jerusalem on business for the queen. In the process, he was worshiping probably around a festival in Jerusalem and and he was learning about the true God. That happened much of the time. They were proselytized, the nations around Israel, to believe in God, right? So he's, he's coming back. And he's like, I'm trying to understand what I'm reading about. And here's Philip. And what does it say? Philip begins to preach to him 
Jesus Christ crucified. Wow. You talk about timing. Can you picture a better setup in your mind? Guys, I think sometimes, I know I do this, we make it too hard. We think we have to do all of these things to get everything right, to know all this stuff if we're going to be effective. And really, Philip's part was being obedient to God and being in position for where God wanted him to be at the right time. God knew that there was a eunuch that would be traveling down that desert road. He needed somebody like Philip to get in position and to be ready for what he wanted to do. Sometimes we make it so hard, but at the end of the day, Jesus said, and he really will build his church. The Holy Spirit really will do the work that He's supposed to do if we will trust and do the part that God is giving us to do. Mm. The eunuch is on there and he's reading the scripture and Jesus, or, and then Philip begins to preach to him, Jesus crucified. And what does he say? He says, he gives his life to Christ, I believe with all my heart, and he wants to get baptized now. Wow. But I want, what I want you to see in the story, the picture I'm trying to show you, is really what was on the other side of Philip's immediate obedience. Hmm. I wonder sometimes, like if Philip would have said no, would God have just sent somebody else? I wonder sometimes if we miss out on many of the greatest adventures that God has planned for us because we're still back in Jerusalem asking questions. (laughs) Still going through the pros and cons list after we've been downloaded some pretty clear instruction. Hmm. This hitchhiker, or Philip, you know, is on the road and he's kind of like a hitchhiker walking along, if you will. He's probably a lowly servant, and the eunuch is a magistrate on behalf of the queen. I mean, this, this chariot is probably decked out, right? Like if it were here in our area today, you'd say, wow, that's like a Ford F-250 baby coming down the road all souped up with a lift kit and had rims and everything on it. Like this was, this was some high-class stuff. And I bring that to our attention because... I want you to see that Philip's a lowly servant, but the eunuch who is considered a high authority is is humbled in this situation enough to receive and hear truth. Why? Because he's genuinely seeking answers. Guys, I'm telling you, we're living in a day where people are going to start looking for answers hurting, brokenness, the, the frivolous pursuits of what the world is offering people for solutions that are going to start coming up dry. And, and people who are in situations like that are going to begin to start looking and coming. Will they find people who can lead them and guide them into truth? Wow. Good. I'm going to show you something in Zechariah real quick. Zechariah chapter 8. Go there with me and uh, 
He speaks about a time that's coming. Verse 16. These are the things that you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. And do not love a false oath. For all these things I hate, says the Lord. Jump down to verse 20. He says, the Lord says, Peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts in those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So showing us a picture, church, as as we go closer toward the times of Jesus' return, where people are going to be searching at massive levels like never before. You see this, this text that says, that people will come from surrounding nations and Jewish men who are going towards the temple, they will reach and grab the sleeve of a Jewish man. It's like we're already on our way into the obedience of what God is doing and people are coming along and saying, show me the way, help me understand what is truth. Will we be ready and in position for things like that when they begin to come? Ah, I love it when I think about that. So, they, they get done with the message and him instructing the eunuch. And he says, what, what would keep me from getting baptized? Now, in the early days of the church, salvation and water baptism were mutually inclusive. Like, you just, you just knew that that was the next step. It's not that salvation washes our sin. It's a type, it's a picture, but it, it, it was just mutually inclusive, right? It just happened. So when he preached that to him about Christ crucified and who he was reading about in Isaiah, he was also obviously talking to him about water baptism. And so he says right then, what would hinder me from being water baptized. I just want you to see that instant obedience rubbed off from Philip onto this eunuch, and he is immediately ready to get baptized. But interesting question. Where did the water come from? Baptismal right in the middle of the desert? Does that strike you as strange? Probably had the nice little steps going down into the water, already you know, pre-set up. I'm sure the water was heated and warm, none of this ice cold stuff that shocks you when you get in, right? I'm just trying to show you that God takes care of the details. (laughs) I mean, where'd the water come from on a desert road where everything's dry and barren? God takes care of the details. When we step out in obedience and we begin to trust God, He will provide all the means necessary along the way to do the work that He wants to do, guys, in and through us. Hmm.
So after this was done, it says that Philip was just caught away, which is really interesting because it's the same word in the Greek, caught away, that Paul uses in Thessalonians to describe what we refer to as the rapture. Harpezo. It's a Greek word. It just means to be snatched up. So when we read this text, we, we, based on everything that's here, we take this for what it is. This was miraculous transportation. Wow. Philip's just caught away. So for the eunuch and for Philip, now life goes on. They merged paths for a short time. And they probably never saw each other again. But in the business of the kingdom, God is looking for those who will say yes to the assignments that he's issuing. And they go their ways. The eunuch likely went on to a life of discipleship and growth in his new faith. We don't know anything else about him after that. But we do know more about Philip. It says he was found in Azotus, and then eventually he ended up in Caesarea. So miraculous transportation. This is, this is my opinion. This is my view of this, because you don't see this very much in Scripture at all, right? This kind of miraculous transportation. We think that we have all these details sorted out and figured out many times, with what the most efficient, most productive way and design is for things to happen. But in the kingdom, a lot of times, things work different than the natural principles of the world. So I think this idea of miraculous transportation, it was probably 30 plus miles from where Philip was to the city in Azotus where he ended up next. Personal thought on this is that God just said, okay, now that you understand what expediency and efficiency looks like in the kingdom, which is saying yes to me, leaving Jerusalem and going down a desert road where it looks opposite of what natural mind would tell you, now I'm going to show you what super efficiency looks like. I'm going to move you quickly into the next place that I have you. Just to remind us that God's ways of having the most productive and most fruitful results first and foremost before anything else is hearing and saying yes to him. Hmm. Miraculous transportation. But then he ends up in Caesarea. And then later we see in Acts chapter 21, which is probably about a 20-year period of time after the Desert Road incident, guess what? Philip is still in Caesarea. So he's saying yes to God, and he ends up in Caesarea, but he evidently settled there because it says in Acts 21 that they ran into Philip, who had four daughters who prophesied. Philip the evangelist. He's still telling people about Jesus. He's still sharing the good news, and now he's raised up four daughters who are walking in prophetic giftings. Wow. Maybe he'll settle. Maybe, maybe we'll end up in Caesarea for 20 years. 
or maybe we'll move on a desert road and end up in another city in another city. I don't know. But it's an adventure that God wants to take us all on, guys. And many times, our ability to walk the steps out that God has planned for us comes down to being able to say yes to a simple command like start walking down a desert road. And that simple command of start walking down a desert road leads to stop the chariot. Let's have a desert baptism. (laughs) In the midst of a dry place, think about it, God brings new life. So when you look around and survey the landscape, when God is leading you down a journey or a place that he wants to take you, and, and things look dry, they look barren, If it really is God and He's really taking you there, all I want you to understand is God can bring new life out of anything no matter what the surroundings might look like. And the the walk of obedience is where we begin to find the fruitfulness. Hmm. So, closing question. Where is my obedience? When God issues a command, am I quick to respond? Am I quick to trust? Am I quick to say yes? Or is God, so to speak, wrestling with my will? Are there things that I'm holding on to? Am I difficult to move? (laughs) My will is resisting possibly some of the things that God is wanting to do. And I just want to challenge you today as we close to think about and really pray, is God up to something right now? Perhaps that we are missing or that we're not tuned into? Or has God issued some instruction and the next level of clarity is on the other side of our obedience? Amen.